0: Welcome to Ambitious Motherhood, the podcast for the mom who is chasing after her dreams in motherhood and business. This is your permission slip to pursue all that you were created to be and live out your calling both in and out of your home.
1: Here's your host,
0: Katie Fleming. Today I'm talking with Jamie, founder and creative director at Spruce Road and creator of the Shareworthy Design Course for Freelancers. She's also a mom to two little ones, okay, and she is a hiking enthusiast. Walking around the park counts, right? So she will never say no to cookies, tacos, or a Wes Anderson film. She loves coming alongside fellow freelance designers and revealing her journey in freelancing and designing standout brands for her lovely clients. Guys, I'm excited to share this interview with you. Can you believe it? This interview has been a year in the making. True story, Jamie and I have been chasing each other for the last year. Uh, This time last year, I was moving. And as you hear in this podcast, Jamie has moved like five or six times in the last few years. So pretty crazy, but I'm so excited that we finally connected and we're able to make this interview happen for you all. So if you're listening today and you are interested in freelancing or designing or just figuring out how to balance motherhood and business, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, Jamie. I am so excited to have you on the Ambitious Motherhood podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. Yeah, of course. So, fill everybody in on who you are and how you've kind of come to be in this online space doing what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, well, uh, like you said, I'm Jamie. I'm a designer and owner behind Spruce Road. And um, I guess I'll just walk through kind of my story that's a little bit rocky (laughs) on getting into this world, Um, but it's how I got here. So I'm thankful for it, anyways. But I worked in house as a designer um, in the past at a church and then at a university. And then I ended up working at a local design studio, and I was only there for a few short months when I kind of realized there's some practices I wasn't too comfortable with a little unethical. And, um, so I brought it to the owner's attention and they they just didn't really think it was that big of a deal as I did. (laughs) So, um, I was kind of in a tight spot where I honestly wasn't thinking about starting my own business at that point. My husband was in grad school full time. And so I was the primary income provider and, um, but he was graduating within a year. So I also didn't feel comfortable trying to find a new job knowing we would just be leaving in a few months. So I just went for it and I had zero overlap. My um, previous employer had a non-compete, so I wasn't able to freelance during that time. And um, it was scary, but it worked out. And so um, looking back, I I'm so thankful for that push because it got me into online, um, marketing and designing for brands that I just love coming alongside and helping other designers do the same thing. Um, so yeah, it's been such a, such a blessing looking back, but during the time it was, it was really rough.
0: Was, is that your natural inclination to just jump without a net?
1: No, (laughs) I didn't think so. No, I'm very, I I don't know if I'm like type A, but I like to plan things and kind of have a plan in place. At the same time, I'm pretty laid back and able to kind of go with the flow. So it worked for me. But um, I think really, I I was just so confident. I don't know why I had that confidence at the time. I was like, this will work. Like, I'll make it work. Um, So yeah, I mean, it it didn't end up working. And I was able to match my, or exceed my previous salary my first year. So it was, it was awesome that I was able to do that.
0: You know, a lot of it, the success, your success, and what I see with my clients is that it's the confidence that makes or breaks it.
1: You know, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, there's so much doubt that can enter your mind being in online business. Even just today, I was talking to two other designers about pricing and it's like you see what other people are doing and then you doubt what you're doing, but you just have to have confidence in in what you're doing and um, you'll be able to, to make it work and attract clients like that's a big part of it too is when clients book your services if you're not confident in what you're offering or that you can actually make this thing happen then they're going to kind of feel that oh yeah 100 percent.
0: so when you first started you had a non-compete what was like that first job that first thing you did how did you navigate that with the non-compete
1: Yeah, so I had a a non compete. It was just while I worked there. So once I quit working, I was able to. um, I didn't have to wait like six months or anything like that. Um, So I immediately just started blogging. This was um, 2015, January of 2015. So at the time, I felt like it. I mean, people were blogging, but it wasn't nearly like it is today, where everybody's blogging. Yeah. Um, And so I just took to blogging and. My goal was to get people from Pinterest at the time, and um, it worked. My first client found me via my blog on Pinterest, and um, she was just an excellent client that I got to work with, and it was just so rewarding, that first project. I think for any person who starts a business, they'll always remember, like, their first client is, like, something really special, things that they learned from that they look back and were like, oh, I did that wrong, this wrong, or whatever, but... Um, at the time it was just so rewarding to have someone trust you.
0: Oh yeah. Have somebody trust you. Yeah. So if you were starting fresh today, 2019, what would you do? Would you do something differently? Would it still be blogging? Would it still be Pinterest? What would that look like?
1: Yeah, I think, um, Because so I work with a lot of designers through my course. And so this is a big question they have is like, you know, how to get clients, things like that. I think it really just depends on your strengths and your giftings and really like your time and where you want to spend it. So for me, for instance, it's not going to be in-person networking, (laughs) I'm not that person. And you have kids. (laughs) What's that? And you have kids. Right. Yeah. Can I bring (laughs) my toddler with me? He'll be more social than I but um, I, yeah, I'm just not as gifted in that. And we move, we've moved quite a bit in the last few years. So it didn't really make sense to do in-person networking. So for me, it would still be based online, which I think a lot of people listening to this podcast is the same thing. Um, yeah. So I think if I were to like advise myself starting over in this year, I would say like, keep it really simple and just do one marketing strategy. I'd probably do like, um, I still like doing kind of online workshops and partnering and collaborating with other people. So that's probably where I would go. Not that everyone needs to do that though. That's not at all what I was saying. I love that you said play to your strengths
0: because there is no one size fits all for a business or for a person. So would you mind diving into maybe just rattling off some of those marketing strategies you recommend your designers employ?
1: Yeah, so online workshops are a good one to do. um, And you can partner with other people that kind of helps attract different audiences. You can even do, um, one of my designers has done Facebook lives in other groups. So for instance, if you see a group of, I think she did it with hairdressers, such a specific niche, but um, there's like an online Facebook group for um, kind of cos- cosmetology and hairstylists, things like that. And so she did a Facebook live in front of that audience and got branding clients through there. That's a good strategy. There's things like Tuesdays Together, which is more in-person meetups. And that's a great way to kind of network with tangent fields. There's for designers, there's not as many designers in there. There's a lot of photographers and wedding industries. Um, in-person networking is awesome that's something that's like stood the test of time for like my parents businesses who've been in business for 30 years Um, I don't know I could go on and on there's so many different ways you could go about it yeah I love it
0: so when you started your freelancing business (laughs) how did you begin to set yourself apart from every other designer out there
1: yeah, that's a great question because I feel like there's so everyone feels like it's saturated. No matter what your industry is online, you feel like oh, it's yeah. so saturated because you find your peers. Um, I think setting myself apart, the main thing was my process was a little bit different. Um, I do what I call like a one logo solution, um, and now a lot of designers incorporate this. But at the time, it seemed like whoa, you do that? Like that's <laughs> that's really out there <laughs> or something. Tell us in what a one logo solution is. So it's standard if you've worked with designers in the past, and this is what I was taught in design school as well, is to present three logo options in black and white. So if you're meeting with a client, then you'll just show them, hey, here's three options. And they're always completely different directions. Um, The problem with that is that I found at previous jobs I've worked at, Even if it wasn't logos, if it was like a flyer or a t-shirt design or something like that, the client always wants to, what's called like Frankensteining it, um, which is like pull this one from this, this concept from that logo, this one from this one and put it together Um, because they just love all the concepts and it's hard for them. It's almost like decision paralysis. They don't know what to do. And so they try to like come up with a solution that incorporates everything together, but it really leads to a lot of compromise in the design and it's really as designers having to design a
0: fourth design option.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Not to mention going back to the drawing board, it's a lot of friction in the process and it's, it's so unnecessary because the client is actually really happy. Like they like the concepts, but as designers, we're like, no, that's really not like, we know that's hard. That's not the right way to go. And so it's hard to navigate that with the client and tell them like you're wrong when the people pleaser in us wants to do what they want, you know? Yeah. So instead of doing that, um, my design team, I have a team of designers I work with, we have always from day one, this is what I wanted to try with my studio. We've always done the exact same process, um, is present one logo to the client and we show it to them in color. We show it to them with like a sample, maybe like Facebook ad promotion or something like that collateral that's relevant to them. Um, everything altogether, pattern designs from the very first proof. And so it's really, honestly, it's led to like no revisions, hardly ever, probably 95% of the time there's zero revisions. And, um, so that's kind of set us apart in that we have a different process and it's one that, that has worked. And I, I literally have not changed it one bit since, (laughs) and it's been four years. So, um, that's one thing. And then also that I've started to collaborate with other designers. Um, once I started getting booked up my first year, it was just probably like, six is six to eight months in. Um, I didn't want to book out in advance, which is really common, which makes sense financially. that you'll know, like this is income coming in, in a few months, but I just felt like that was kind of a disservice to the client and also to make them wait. And also, um, a lot of pressure, like, will it live up to them waiting six months like this design? So I started just adding people to my team. And so that kind of set us apart as not um, a freelance design studio, more like an agency model, but still really small and personable at the same time. Ooh, so you were able to take on more clients,
0: but not compromise the work. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I like it. I like it a lot that you've really thought about the friction that you experience or have experienced and you've kind of figured out how to make your process better. I love that. And I love that you mentioned process because that is that is such a big component of it. And something I teach my clients as well is you've got to have something specific, a pathway you walk people from start to finish to get them to the result they want. You've got to have that process. So I
1: love that. Oh yeah. It's everything. I feel like it makes for such a smooth experience. And then also like, I feel like it's a, almost like a roundabout way of getting new clients. <laughs> if you have a good process, people are going to share about it. So it works. Yeah. I love it. So what is kind of that next step for your
0: freelance clients that are trying to learn how to start their business?
1: Um, the next step I would say is to just start doing it, <laughs> which is hard. Um, I think a lot of us kind of have uh, paralysis researching online, listening to podcasts like this, which is great and having blog posts and attending workshops and all that. Um, but often it's, it's like, just too much education to where we feel like we need to have everything in place before we get started. And I feel like I'm proof of it that you literally don't have to have anything in place and you just need to get started and figure it out as you go. And you can utilize those resources like courses, in podcasts and blog posts to kind of grow as you're, as you get going, but at least just get started. Even if you're working full time right now, just, um, start trying to get experience working with clients and make sure it's something that you like doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those roadblocks that you've, you've had to overcome that you help your clients now avoid?
1: Oh yeah, I think the classic like trying to do everything in my brand, <laughs> like trying to like do workshops and blog and Facebook, like be active on all these different things, and feeling like I had to do all these different things.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I mean, this is so appropriate for this podcast. But being a mom has really trained me that I can't do. All those things, I really can do hardly anything these days. <laughs> so it's only helped my business just grow by really focusing on what's working. And it's made me look back at my business and say, like, these are the areas that have the most ROI. Like, let's focus on those. And these are the things that I enjoy doing, anyways. So I'm kind of cut the other stuff out and focus on what's working. Yeah, have you cut those
0: things out or have you delegated and outsourced or a little combination of both?
1: Yeah, I've tried a combination of it. So there's been times like Instagram I feel like is the is a big one for me that as a designer, I feel like some kind of obligation that I should be on that platform because it's so visual. Um, but frankly, I just don't enjoy it. Um, so I did outsource that for a little bit. Then I, I don't know, I just stopped doing that because I never, I don't think I've actually ever got a client from Instagram, a branding client. And so I realized that's not really worth my time or um, money or anything. So I kind of pulled back and was like, oh, just kind of drop that and see what happens. And, um, my business just grew. So I've still kind of, I get on every now and then, um, but it's really not a priority for me. So I've kind of done a combination of that. Yeah. And was there any kind of
0: guilt right no. when you started to drop things?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Instagram is so interesting, too, because and this could be a whole episode in and of itself, but um, you almost feel like if you're not posting, then people think like you're not like actually working or you're not producing anything. Um, so I felt a little bit like oh my gosh, self-conscious about it. What's that,
0: Katie? I said, you're right. I just realized you're right. Like there's moments where I'm in deep creation mode and I haven't said anything on Instagram. It's like... D- did I really do anything?
1: Right. <laughs> post about it. <laughs> it's a weird place. It's like a weird time that we live in where yeah. it's like, if I didn't post it, did it not happen? Like, do people think I'm not actually working on client work anymore? Like, these are thoughts I have that I'm not posting, but then I realize, like, why do I even care? what other people think, like, I know I'm deep in it. And so that's why I'm not posting. Like whenever I have more time, then that's when I post more or I'm engaging more on that platform. Yeah. Um, But that's just one example. I mean, some people find a lot of success on Instagram and that's great. Keep doing that. But for me, it's not, not where I see myself going. Yeah. And do you have some kind of routine built into
0: your year and your quarters where you do reevaluate your platforms and where you're spending your time?
1: Yeah, so I do. I look back, um, I keep it really simple, honestly. And with my husband, he helps a lot with my business, just kind of probably every marriage that has a business, you end up talking about it. And, um, so he's helped me really narrow in on some things and, um, really make it simple. I have a tendency to kind of overcomplicate things and get in my head about stuff. So um, each year at the end of the year, we kind of look back at this past year and see what worked. And then um, he makes me write a list of like no more than five things. And we put it on the fridge of this is what I'm doing this next year. And um, so I'll give an example. I can't remember all of them. Um, These are for business only, right? Yes. Business only. Yeah. Um, and so like one of them last year, I really was kind of in more maintenance mode for my business because uh, we just had been moving so much. So it was okay. I need to at least do a blog post a week. Um, I need to update my course or launch my course two times, continue doing client work. It's like really broad overview things, but it helps me to say like, okay, so that means I'm not going to be doing these other things. So, Um, I think it really helps just to look back at the past year and then project in the future, but keep it really, really simple too.
0: Yeah. And I like that you said that you, you write down or say, or think of what are those things you're not doing you know, especially as a creative, I don't know if you can attest to this, but I have constant ideas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Things I want to work on that are pulling me off the current path. And it's just a struggle. So like knowing and being aware, okay, we're not doing this, we're going to table it for a time, who knows when it's a struggle.
1: Oh yes. No, I, you're preaching to the choir. I literally just finished a product I've been talking about for four years. I haven't released it yet, but, um, it's been something that every year we reevaluate and I'm like, is that going to go on the list? And we're like, no, it's not. (laughs) So I just finished it. So those ideas are worth hanging on to. If they hang on for that long, then it's worth it. But oftentimes they're kind of fleeting ideas. I have the exact same problem. Hey, just wanted to pop in. Are you loving
0: today's episode? If so, screenshot your show today and post it on your Instagram stories and make sure you tag me at Katie Fleming. Okay, let's get back to the show. It's insane. I've started like writing these ideas in my project management software and just keeping them in this little board. And I'll go back like two months later and be like, why did I think that was a good idea? So it's like good that we've tabled these things, but it's just crazy.
1: Oh yeah, I go down the rabbit hole of, like, Jotting down so many notes about these ideas. And then later I'm like, no, (laughs) it doesn't even fit in with my business at all.
0: Yeah, that's hilarious. So fill everybody in on what your personal life looks like now. You've had some huge changes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We've had some big changes. So since I started my business four years ago, um, my husband graduated and then he is an occupational therapist. And so he started doing travel OT. And that's if you're more familiar. There's travel nursing is a lot more common. It's the same type of program where you kind of fill in um, on immediate needs for companies. So he got certified in a few states. So we moved from Texas to North Carolina in like this really small farm town. We literally lived in like a refurbished farm, a barn. <laughs> Uh, For 13 weeks So someone was on maternity leave And he took over for that um, That time And then I was pregnant during that time too So I had a doctor there I had a doctor in Texas A doctor in North Carolina And then we moved to Boise, Idaho And so I I delivered my baby here (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh When did you move? How far along were you when you moved?
1: um, I think I was due in I think I was due in like uh, four months yeah. Oh
0: gosh. And to have That's to switch right. doctors.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so thankfully he's in healthcare. And so he had, um, some good recommendations from some, uh, coworkers there. Yeah. And so he took over a job here in Boise for six months. And, um, so we moved after being, after delivering for two months, uh, my baby was two months and we moved again. Um, and you, he, these he's, these jobs you don't know in advance, like you find out the week before maybe, and then you move. So we've what? been, yeah, we've been like real minimalist. We, the whole time we just had our Toyota RAV4 and that's it. Nothing. We weren't pulling anything. We sold all our furniture. And I mean, I, that sounds dramatic. It was like Craigslist furniture <laughs> so <laughs> it to start with anyways. But um, yeah, so then from Boise, we moved back to Texas um, for like Christmas for about three weeks and just caught up with friends and family, had them uh, meet our baby Hank. And, and then we moved um, from there to Pennsylvania for nine months and then back to Boise. So we're here again <laughs> and we so had another baby. Counting, that's six moves, five moves. I don't know. A lot. It, it was that like that the most thing. indirect route from Texas to the East coast to um Boise back down to Texas to the East Coast again and back to Boise is like ridiculous. Tribe. I love it. I love it. That's so, such great memories. And now you just had your second, right? Yes. Yeah. Riley, he is uh, two months old. So it's been quite a transition, but um, it's been a good one too. So they're both born in Boise. I don't know if we'll be here long term, but it's kind of funny that they're both born here.
0: That's adorable.
1: So what was your biggest struggle venturing into motherhood while you
0: had a business and moving?
1: Oh my gosh. There's so much that just happened. I think before I had kids, I'm just very driven. And so, and I love working on my business stuff. So I would just spend time just thinking of new ideas and was just really taking a lot of action in my business. And then having a kid really slowed that down, obviously. Um, You just don't have the time or energy. And so um, it was tough and we haven't had childcare really this whole time. So, and no family nearby. So, it's really limited when I could work in my business. Um, So, it's been it my income has grown, but I feel like it's still been in like this kind of maintenance mode, almost for my business, where I just work a few hours here and there a week. Um, this year, I think that's going to change a little bit. With two, I feel like I definitely need some some more help. And my husband's job is is different too. In that he works three days a week, and so then I work the other two, and we still split childcare that way. Um, that's yeah. by the way. I love that. <laughs> yeah it's a little loophole that's why we're here in Boise he was he's determined to have that schedule and um they were they're like okay we'll do that so um so yeah that's worked for us but yeah, it's definitely changed. I feel like the amount of time I can work on my business and help me focus and on, on what I can work on. But at the same time, it's such a sweet time when they're so little, like you just want to be there with them and, and not look past it just because you have some business ambitions, you know, it's a tough balance. Yeah, it is, but
0: it's so, it's so rewarding. So, I'm sure you have days where you feel like your business isn't getting the attention it needs or you want to give it. Or some days maybe on the other side of that, where you feel like you're not giving your kids the attention that they deserve. How do you walk yourself through those moments and really come out of it without feeling that mom guilt?
1: Yeah, that's tough. That's like every day for me, I feel like. Um, So one thing my husband and I talk about a lot is when you're at home with the kids and they finally are down for a nap and you have a moment to breathe, like that whole time before then, you just feel like oh, I've got to do these things and these kids are kind of needing my attention. And But then once they're down, you realize like, oh, what was it that I was going to do anyways? Like, I don't know. It's a strange, have you experienced that too? Yes. Or the other side of that, now that you're down, do I shower?
0: Do I take a nap?
1: Yes. Do I work on my business? What do I do? Yeah. It's like, what should I do? Should I take care of myself or should I like respond to these emails? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of a learning curve for us too. But um, yeah, I forgot what the initial question was. Navigating mom guilt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So, two, you've made a huge transition to two. He's still young. He's only two months. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you
1: navigate maternity leave with client work? Yeah, that's a good question because um, with my first, it was like a – I kind of took some maternity leave, but you know how it is in your business. Like you can still be a little bit active. Like I can take a phone call or I can still respond to emails. Um, And then this time I felt like I needed to take more time off. And my son was born just after Thanksgiving. And so um, it was kind of a natural time anyways in my business where people were taking off for December for Christmas. And um, so I was kind of I felt more comfortable with that. So I did take off quite a bit of time Um, then, like his first month. And then I've slowly kind of eased into it now. Um, It's different too because I have a team of designers that – I'm not always responsible for doing all the design work. And so I can do more of the um, set up the consult calls with the clients and take those phone calls and send them quotes and set up the project. Um, that's a lot more manageable than um, like sketching and doing branding concepts for multiple clients at once. So it's, it's been such a blessing to have a team of designers, uh, specifically one I'm working with right now, Ash, who's been incredible. I don't know where my business would be without her. Um so it's really enabled me to have a maternity leave and even for um I do like a newsletter a week I, during that time I wasn't able to get my stuff together and schedule it out that far in advance so I ended up hiring um a copywriter to work with me and that kind of outlined some things and she provided copy and so we kind of went back and forth there so I did some things in the meantime in my business to outsource but um so it stayed afloat, but it still was able to take off some, some good time. Yeah. And I noticed because you and I were
0: trying to schedule this interview during your maternity leave that you, you seem, did you keep your autoresponder on for the majority of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kept it up for, um, I think eight weeks. Yeah. I kept <laughs> it up. And then really? some people were like, Oh, she got back to me <laughs> and rather than like, Oh, um, you know, I think it's important to have that up because you want people to know expectations-wise of when to hear from you.
0: Yes, I love that. Yeah, I know people that use it every every day, like not just some big event like vacation or maternity leave, but they have it up just to set the expectations for how their inbox works, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, I've seen that
1: too. That is so smart.
0: Well, so if you could do motherhood and business kind of both talking about both of those things all over again and start from the beginning,
1: what would you do differently? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. That's a loaded question. Yeah. I feel like um, business-wise, I always say like, keep it simple. Um, that's something I have to preach to myself daily because I just get wrapped up in like email sequences and whatever, <laughs> you know how it is. Um, but your, your design but style is so simple and clean looking. So Oh yeah. That's, that's not a struggle to me. I feel like <laughs> over the years it's, it's like, it can't be anything but like really refined and clean. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think keeping it simple. I remember I was at a conference, um, last summer, the ConvertKit conference, which was excellent. And Pat Flynn was up there talking and in the midst of like all of this great information, like seriously actionable content that he's providing, he said, um that he always asks himself, but what if it were simple? And that's something that really stuck with me from the whole conference, that one line. Um, and so that's if I could go back my business or even moving forward, it's always trying to keep it really simple. Like you don't need complex products, you don't need like multiple courses or a podcast and Instagram and Facebook Lives or whatever. Just keep it really simple um and meaningful for the people that you're trying to connect with that that you engage with them there. And then for motherhood, I feel like just soak it in. There's a lot of times, um, you know, my son is two and you look back and now I have a newborn. I'm like, he was so small, like just forgot that time. So just soak it in as much as you can, even though it's hard with lack of sleep and, um, feeling like you're kind of losing yourself a little bit in the midst of taking care of these kiddos, but just take some time to actually, um, sit with them on the floor and, um, put the phone away and just enjoy it. That's so good. Such good advice. So
0: tell me, we're kind of rolling into these last few questions, but what is the best book you've read? And then what are you looking forward to reading soon?
1: Oh, yeah. I think you asked me that earlier, and I can't even remember what I put for what I'm looking forward to. Um, But I just read, business-wise, I've read um, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Have you read that one, Katie? No, it's on my Audible. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but it's there. (laughs) Well, get ready to take notes. It's so good. Um, I felt like it was really easy to follow their framework. I listened to their podcasts for a long time and really trust um, kind of what they're saying, what they're about, and they really they really know their stuff. So, um, it was a really easy read to go through, but at the same time, it's going to be kind of harder to put things into place and really streamline my brand. So that was one I really enjoyed as a branding designer, just hearing about that side of branding, which is more of the like messaging side is always intriguing to me. And, um, they made it really easy to follow kind of their framework and, Good examples in there and good storytelling. Um, so, that one I highly recommend. And then, looking forward to, I think I put ask. I can't remember who that's by. Yes, Ryan Levesque. Yes, that was recommended to me. And then, um, what was the other one? It was um, Lean Startup or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lean Startup. Okay, yeah, I have a Pinterest board of these on my wish list. So, <laughs> that's it. where I picked, picked those from. But those are two that, um, that some other fellow business owners have recommended to me.
0: Now, are you a physical book reader or are you an Audible person?
1: Yeah, physical books. Um, I mean, I don't have a strong preference, I guess. I just don't have an Audible subscription. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Side
0: note, I recognize this week that our library has um, some kind of like free Audible thing yeah. Overdrive, uh, I think. So or Hoopla or something like that. Uh-huh. It's pretty cool. Like it actually functions like the same way as Audible and it, I love it.
1: And it's yeah. I, I have used that. I kind of forgot about it. Um, I, I feel like though, I can't have my devices out ever with my two-year-old. <laughs> He's mm. just going to take it from me and watch truck videos. So, That's um, so yeah, I kind of have to avoid those unless I do it after hours after he goes to sleep, I guess. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, fill everybody in on how they can connect with you and just get to know more about your brand, your business, what you're doing with all the things.
1: Yeah. So, um, you can just go to sprucerd.com. That's where, you'll find uh, my branding design services and learn more about my team and our process, um, view some of our portfolio pieces and clients who've um, been able to work with. And then um, I also have on that same site a lot of resources for designers. Um, I have a course on share, called Shareworthy Design, which is all about setting up your freelance design processes and booking clients and pricing and all those complex things once you get started um, with your own design studio. And then I have other things like a, a free marketing course. You can um, join that as well under my designer resources page. Um, and that's just a five or I think it's a six day course that um, walks through creating a marketing plan and some good case studies there from past share where the design students too. So um, that's kind of where I hang out. You can hop on my email list from there. That's like I said throughout this um recording that's where I'm active, his email every week um, with my community. Um, kind of get on Instagram every now and then, but you likely won't see me much there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, every time you are there, you pop up as like the first one for me to watch. So I think it's funny. Oh, oh interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorite takeaways from this episode today have been, but what if it was simple and soak it in? So if you're listening to that and you've got the tendency to complicate things like both Jamie and myself are able to do, then think about those things. Keep it simple. Soak it in. Okay. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. It has been so great chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me on. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Ambitious Motherhood podcast. If you're new to the show, go ahead, listen to a couple more episodes, get to know us, and then, girl, make sure you subscribe because you're now a part of the Ambitious Motherhood community.